0: Welcome to Season 4 of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone. I'm Becky Robinson. Welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I am thrilled today to be speaking with Everett O'Keefe, who is the owner of Ignite Press, And uh, I'm I'm excited to speak with him because as I coach and consult with authors regularly, there are so many questions for those who are choosing to self-publish or use a hybrid publisher about distribution channels. So today's episode is all about book distribution. And I'm so excited because I know already that I'm going to learn from Everett. So welcome, Everett. And would you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your company?
1: Thanks, Becky. I'm just excited to be here. I'm grateful that you, you know, have put on this podcast to help everybody out. So, yes, I'm the founder of Ignite Press. We're a small hybrid publishing company, which puts us right in between traditional and self-publishing. We like to think that we embrace the best of both worlds. Um, we've been publishing books since 2013, uh, and I think we have just hit our 140th launch, something around those lines. Uh, And we serve nonfiction authors, primarily uh, speakers, coaches, consultants, business executives, medical professionals, those people who are publishing a book primarily for the authority it gives them and how they're going to leverage it within their brand, rather than uh, trying to make uh, a ton of money on royalties. Uh, Most of our clients would rather make their money back four or five digits at a time with a new client or a new speaking opportunity rather than one digit at a time through a book sale. Um, And so we typically carry people from editing through a bestseller launch in a done-for-you model. So that's what we do.
0: So we serve the same kind of people. So that's why you are such an excellent guest Well, so let's talk about distribution channels. And I understand that at, at Ignite Press, you have three different channels through which you distribute your books, uh, depending upon the author and their goals. So let's first introduce our listeners to each of these distribution channels, starting with Amazon KDP.
1: Yeah, excellent. There, you know, you, you, as an author you do, and as a publisher, there are multiple channels available for distribution, and they each have the things they're best at. And so, what we decided to do pretty early on was to use multiple platforms, so we can take advantage of the best of each of those. So, uh, the eight hundred pound gorilla for most people is KDP. That's Kindle Direct Publishing. It's uh, owned by Amazon. They they uh, they sometimes operate in very distinctly different ways. uh, In that can be frustrating for those people navigating Amazon and KDP. But um, this is probably the easiest space uh, for people to use in order to get their books placed on Amazon. What we've also found is it is typically the cheapest place to have your book printed using print-on-demand printing. Um, And author copies uh, through KDP are often less than $3 a, a book depending upon the length and the nature of the book. And you can get one copy or 500 copies, and you have the complete freedom to do whatever the heck you want with those. Um, We used to do a little survey every year where we would compare different print-on-demand printers, and every time Amazon came up as the least expensive source. Um, And so that's one of the great things about Kindle Direct Publishing. Um, Also, through Kindle Direct Publishing, you can publish your book in paperback, you can publish it in Kindle. You can publish it in hardcover. That's a new feature that they have. And I just heard rumored literally yesterday that they are uh, now in beta are AI voiced audiobooks coming out of KDP. That's a new new program that they are that they just announced yesterday. So um, you can do all sorts of great things through KDP.
0: Okay, so it sounds like KDP is pretty wonderful. Why would an author want to not only distribute their books through KDP, but also choose another distributor like Ingram Spark? So let's talk about Ingram Spark.
1: Yeah, so we talk about each platform with advantages and disadvantages. Um, KDP is the absolute best tool for you to use to control your book as to how it appears on Amazon how it's priced, how it's categorized. It makes sense. Use Amazon's tool for Amazon. However, um, you know, you, you, your listeners may have heard that there's some bookstores and other entities out there that don't love Amazon. Um, and therefore, it's important also for your book to be available elsewhere. Now, Amazon does have an extended distribution uh, platform, but we will typically instead go use Ingram Spark for our extended distribution. Now, Ingram Spark is owned by Ingram. The Ingram Network is the network that uh, bookstores and libraries purchase their books through. And therefore, by placing your book on Ingram Spark and getting it into the Ingram Network, your book is now available to Barnes and Noble, to Walmart, to Baker and Taylor, and the library systems and all sorts of things. And so Ingram Spark is a great way to make your book available for all of those. Um, they also do print on demand printing, and you can also get your author copies there. They're usually slightly more expensive than um, Amazon's KDP tool. But we also love having that because that's also a backup source. If something's going funky at Amazon, well, maybe we can get our books printed at Ingram instead. And during COVID and paper shortages and things like that, having those multiple options was very, very useful. Um, At Ignite Press, what we tend to do is use Ingram for... Well, let me say it this way. We use Amazon KDP for the paperback as it appears on Amazon and for the Kindle as it appears on Amazon. Then we use Ingram for the paperback as it appears everywhere else. We also happen to use their hardcover service. We like their hardcover service and we use that hardcover everywhere, including Amazon. And then there's the third tool we use and that's draft to digital And draft to digital um, uh, oh gosh, I'm just uh, drawing a blank. They they just were they just acquired another big uh, platform, uh, but draft to digital is our preferred method for distributing the digital version of your book everywhere except Amazon, and that's because through draft to digital you can get your book distributed in multiple formats: uh, Barnes and Noble's Nook, uh, Kobo, which is Walmart's competing product generic eBooks. And through that, your book may also land in apps like Scribd, Overdrive, uh, maybe Libby. We're kind of watching that one. Um, And so we really like to use all three of these platforms because each one has their thing they do best. Now I will share with you, they are all competing with each other. They are all trying to be soup to nuts, every format, you know, uh, Drafted Digital now offers print as well. Um, Ingram also does ebook. Kindle also does hardcover, like they're all trying to cover for each other. We tend to cherry pick the best out of the three platforms.
0: So, talk about the expense to the author. This is a question I often get, Everett. Of you know, well, what does it cost to distribute my book on Amazon? What does it cost to distribute my book on Ingram? What does it cost on Draft to Digital? And is the author experiencing you know needing to pay three times if they're choosing three distribution channels?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, the nice thing is to distribute your book, your book on Amazon on KDP through KDP. Costs you nothing. You don't pay Amazon anything to upload and place your book for distribution. Um, on Ingram Spark, they do have upload fees. I think it's as much as ninety nine dollars, but you can very often find a coupon that allow you to waive that. Though they make they may charge you for updates, um, twenty five or fifty dollars for updates. And I'm sorry, I don't have the specificity of that one. That's not. That's not what I do. My I have other team members that do those pieces. Um, and then draft to digital is free. You don't pay anything to uh, upload your book into draft to digital But the real cost of publishing a book, as everyone knows, is not those fees. It's the cost of creating the book. It's creating the appropriate files. It's, you know, um, and the work, the labor involved in those things. The nice thing is, that the interior file that you use for the paperback at KDP can be the same interior file that you use for the paperback and the hardcover for that matter at IngramSpark. Um, Now, there there is a tiny caveat in that, and it has to do with ISBN numbers. If you take advantage of a free ISBN number at Amazon, don't then try to use that same ISBN number over in uh, Ingram Spark. It is better if you own your own ISBNs for multiple reasons. And then what we do is in our interior file, we go ahead and list in that same file the ebook ISBN, the paperback ISBN, and the hardcover ISBN. So that same interior file can get used for both paperback and hardcover, no matter what platform. Um, and as long as you own your own ISBNs, that's uh, that's something you can do. And then, lastly, the ebook
0: format. Okay, but hold on, real fast. Oh, I, I'm thinking it's possible that we have some listeners who may not know what an ISBN is or how to purchase one. So, how Absolutely. about you can tell us about what ISBNs are and how someone might purchase their own?
1: Thank you so much, Becky. Because I know sometimes we get rattling along in the publishing industry and we use lingo that. Maybe not everybody knows, and that's I totally get that. ISBN stands for International Something Book Number. I'm forgetting the S at the moment, okay? Um, And every format of your book needs to have its own unique ISBN number. So you need one for your paperback. You need one for your hardcover. You need one for an audio book. Interestingly enough, you don't really need one for your ebook, but it's recommended. Okay. Now, ISBN numbers, um, each of these platforms will gladly provide you a free ISBN number for your books. So if you're doing things on the cheap, you can do that. Technically, however, whoever owns the ISBN number owns distribution of the book. And so it's something that was recommended to us early on in this process was always uh, have your authors own their own ISBN numbers. Uh, Now, typically, if you're going through a large publisher, they'll provide you an ISBN number, and that is theirs. It is registered to them, and therefore, they also control distribution. But if you're doing self-publishing or hybrid publishing, look to own your own. Now, the source of these, it goes like this. There is one, and only one recognizable source a recognized source for ISBN numbers in the United States. And that is Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R. Their website is myidentifiers.com. That is the only place that you should ever buy ISBN numbers. There are lots of places that resell them and do it for much less money, but know that those numbers are really already registered to somebody else. And so you don't truly own them. So go to go to Bowker, go to myidentifiers.com. The they're not cheap. They're $125 for one, or 10 for $299. We recommend to our authors, buy 10. You're going to use several of them for this book. And then that way you've got another, you've got other ones available for your, your workbook, your audio book, your next book. Um, so that's the spiel on ISBN numbers, and those Perfect. should be listed, and they should be listed on the copyright page in your book, and it and will also be reflected in the barcode on the back cover, and that also is critical. So that's ISBNs.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, let's see where where I were think we?
0: we were at yeah. eBooks.
1: Oh yeah, the eBook format. The nice thing is you you. Your ebook should be formatted as an EPUB. Okay. There used to be MOBI files and other different file formats to, con- to be concerned with. No longer. Just have your book formatted as an EPUB, which is really just a glorified scrolling web page. Have it formatted as an EPUB, and then you can use that EPUB to make your Kindle version in KDP. And you can take it over to Draft to Digital and they can make it into a Kobo and a nook and a generic ebook and move it into the app described in overdrive. So that's nice, nice efficiency. You don't need to create different formats of your files for different platforms. Just create a paperback format and a Kindle format and use it across all your platforms.
0: Perfect. So, One of the things I often find myself advising clients about is the idea of a pre-order campaign. So can we talk about how the various choices for distribution impact the ability for a book to be available for pre-order?
1: Yes. And this is an area where there are certainly different philosophies out there. Um, I run a mastermind group of other publishers and some employ pre-order and some don't. Um, So we don't. uh, and, And here's our thinking on this. Traditional publishers, when they launch a book, will do a pre-order campaign, and it may be months long, and they will sell gads of books, perhaps before they've ever printed them, right? And what a great luxury that is for the publisher, right, to see all of those orders coming in. And then when book launch comes, all of those orders are processed at that time, okay, Uh, uh, for for sales numbers purposes and ranking purposes. Unfortunately, in our experience, KDP, they offer a pre order on Kindle, not on paperback. Okay. Um, That'll change. Eventually, they'll give us paperback pre orders as well, probably. But right now, it seems like it's only Kindle. What we've noticed is this at first, we were all excited about it. We thought this was great. We could sell three months of Kindle orders and have them all processed on one day, which would make gads of orders on one day, which would create this giant sales spike on Amazon to create number one. That's what we wanted, that's what we thought. Our experience is that they actually process it and count it as a sale the day the pre-order is made, not the day of the launch. And therefore, if the pre-order is being done in order to create a sales spike, to create that number one ranking, Doesn't seem to work as great for that as we wanted. Now, what it is good for is getting rankings going, getting energy and buzz. And I think that there's a real value in that. So we look at it this way. If your focus is royalties, then pre-order, I think, can be excellent. If your focus is Amazon number one bestseller ranking, then that can actually steal sales away from those sales that might happen on launch day. And when you're aiming at the Amazon number one bestseller ranking, it's the sales on launch day or immediately surrounding that day that really impact the rankings. So that's my that's my spiel on pre-order. And Becky, you may have other you may have other feelings and philosophies on that.
0: Well, I, I do. And and it's fun to be able to debate this with you, Everett. So what we're recommending for authors is that they do set up their paperback book for pre order as well, which at the current time can only be done through Ingram Spark. And the reason why for me is it has to do with the credibility of building up the buzz. If there isn't a link to pre order a book, in my mind, the perception of the book, it, it doesn't feel real yet. I was just so going to say, I'm is a... it
1: real? Is it really a book if there's no pre-order link there, right?
0: Well, exactly. So when an author is setting up a book page on their website and they want to tell about the book, in my mind, the first thing I'm going to do is go search Amazon and, and it won't be there if there's no pre-order. So, you know, from a credibility perspective and a buzz building perspective and a mobilizing support in advance of launch perspective, I really love the idea of having that pre-order possibility set up. Now, the other thing to to note about people who are traditionally publishing, um, one of the reasons why traditional publishers use pre-orders is because they are printing a print run in advance. And so more often, even a uh, you know a high end hybrid uh, like some of them are, they may be doing only print on demand, and in those cases, they may also not be very amenable to the idea of pre-orders. So I often find myself in the in the perspective of from a marketing uh, lens, telling my authors, "Hey, we want to have pre-orders available for various reasons." And hybrid publishers are saying, "With a print on demand uh, title, we don't do that." So. Um, you know, as you might imagine, Everett, there's a little bit of push and pull there. I can support any approach, but if it's if I had my choice, I prefer the route of pre-orders um, for the reasons that I listed.
1: I think uh, I think those are completely valid reasons, and uh, you know, I find myself nodding with you here, right, uh, uh, in that. And I'll be excited if Amazon were to treat kindle pre-orders the same way that ingram treats paperback pre-orders like i think that makes a difference um and so many of our launches we build our launches around the kindle because we we discussed a little bit before the kindle can be priced at an impulse buy range for launch and uh, a buzz and a swell can be created around that launch for just that one day or for a week in order to achieve that number one bestseller ranking. Um, and thats so it's so much harder to do on the paperback, uh, right the, the sales numbers have to be much higher and the com- competition is harder. So um, for us with a Kindle focused launch that the, the pre the pre-order doesn't work, but I get it for the buzz and the credibility and the paperback and the royalty purpose. I totally get that. Um, And maybe we'll find a happy medium someday.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more explicitly about what you're recommending here. So listeners, um, oftentimes what I've observed is that some publishers have or even marketers, you know, have Amazon bestseller status as a major goal for their authors. And one way to achieve that more reliably is to focus the launch efforts around the kindle book and so Everett, talk a little bit more about what that looks like how do you price the kindle book what are the activities that you um, approach to be able to get that amazon bestseller launch on the kindle and what are the results that you've experienced because i know they have been fantastic
1: thank you Um, so yeah what we do on an amazon bestseller launch is build the launch around the kindle with the goal of creating a steep enough spike on launch day or thereabouts that the book becomes a number one bestseller in one or more categories on Amazon. And to do that, typically what we'll do is we'll price that Kindle at an impulse buy range for a couple days leading up to it. But really, it's mainly just so on launch and a couple days after it's at that impulse buy range. And that's usually in the $0.99 to $2.99 range. Okay. At that time, the paperback is still available, usually at full retail. Um, and during our launches, we make them very Amazon-centric. Uh, at that time, uh, we make it available only on Amazon, and we do the extend. We do the expanded distribution through Ingram and Draft to Digital after that. Now, on a launch like this, it's important for people to understand that category selection and the research behind it is absolutely critical. Um, the Last launch we failed at was because I failed to understand, and this is before I knew enough, um, the importance of that. And that was back in 2014. Now, if your category selection is solid, you know, Kindle now allows you three categories for you to place your book in. And there are approximately, I think it's just under 2,000 categories between all of Amazon's Kindle stores for you to select from. And these are different from the BISAC categories, which are what you typically apply for a paperback book. The BISAC categories are the ones that the library systems use and, uh, and, and the bookstores use. Amazon has their own categories. They're such a big player, they can create what they want. Um, unfortunately, that makes it challenging because um, there is one category for consultants regardless of all the different types of consulting. And there I, I, and there may be 14 categories for uh, erotic vampire fiction. So mm. uh, it's kind of an interesting contrast. Um, but anyway, so that Amazon bestseller launch is really designed to create a sales spike. So the book is number one for a period of time. And it may be number one for a couple of days, could be a couple of weeks, could even be a couple of hours. Um, but... The idea there is just like a New York Times bestseller or a Wall Street Journal bestseller, once a bestseller, always a bestseller as far as credibility and marketing purposes are concerned. And we'll go one step further after the launch. We'll turn around and rebadge the cover of the book to be reflective of that bestseller accomplishment so that that bestseller accomplishment follows the author um, and the book from that point forward.
0: Got it. So uh, I want to make sure that I brag on you because you did this really subtle thing there, Everett. You said, okay. you know, the last time I failed in 2014. So I just want to kind of turn that around a little bit. So Everett is saying that every book that he has launched since 2014 has gotten Amazon bestseller in the category.
1: Yeah, we've been very fortunate. Um, and part of that is because our authors have been really responsive to the efforts required right? Because nothing happens easily here. Um, And so we have been very fortunate. However, like we talked a little bit before, we've seen some interesting things happen very recently that um, have, we don't know if it signals a change in Amazon or a blip, but we've been seeing some very interesting things happen with uh, the bestseller launches. Do you want to, shall we go into that or, or leave that for another day?
0: Yeah, let's go into that. Um, And what I want to say before we go into that is, you know, as a book marketer, and I'm sure for you, Everett, as a publisher, uh, what we have to be aware of is that Amazon and other distribution channels and what works and what doesn't work is constantly changing. And so we're always needing to stay on the cutting edge of learning so that we can advise our authors most appropriately about the approaches that may work for them and their goals. So with that in mind, let's talk about what you're seeing. We're not sure what it means, but we do want to make you aware of of what's been happening. And just for some context, uh, when this episode is released, um, is likely November 2023. For those who might be listening to it later, we are describing some things that Everett observed in October of
1: 2023. Yeah. And, and and this will be valid regardless because of what lesson you just said. These platforms are always changing. It's really important that you understand they own everything they do. And, and if you're relying upon these platforms, you've got to be really careful because that also means that they largely own your audience, um, which is something you've probably talked about on other episodes of your show. But because of the constant changing nature, it's important, more important than ever, that people be listening to things like you are sharing with people, Becky. So uh, we just had our busiest launch season ever. Um, And uh, crazily enough, in the last 30 days, we've launched uh, seven books. And in those seven books, we have seen a dramatic change from the first book we launched at the beginning of October was very much business as usual. And by that, I mean that we can look on Amazon. We can see what is the current bestseller rank of the number one book in a category. And we can usually get some idea of how many sales are gonna be necessary to beat that book. How many sales are gonna need to happen in a short period of time to eclipse every book in that category so that our author can be number one. So everything was pretty much business as usual for that first launch. The next launch, which actually occurred the next day, required twice as many books. To accomplish that goal than we expected. And that trend continued through these seven launches, each one harder than the other, each one taking longer for the results to be seen than the other, to the point that by the time we got to the end of the month, to the seventh launch, and usually we're launching two books in a month, not seven. So this was a unique opportunity to see this. By the time we got to the end, it appeared that it took about 10 times as many sales to accomplish the same Amazon bestseller rank. And that is, um, that's scary, just quite honestly, for those people who are competing and trying to take over a category to create that, to get to that number one spot. The other thing we saw is not only did it take more, it took longer. And whereas the first launch, we could re- see the results really end of, end of that first day, we could see what was going on by the end uh, of the month. We weren't seeing those results until five, six, seven days out. And that's really nerve wracking. So what we saw was if you can imagine a sales spike. As the month went on, the spikes were lower and and the mountains were broader. It's like you just took all those sales that would normally create a spike and just mushed it out until it was just a little hump, basically. (laughs) Fortunately for us, it was still enough to accomplish the number one. Uh, That book's called The Joy-Powered Networking, became a number one bestseller in sales and selling techniques. Um, And... And we don't know what the future holds. We'll have another book launch uh, next week and we'll see what happens with that. And and Becky, you also, we were talking about before this question about pre-sales and how it impacts category showing on Amazon. Can we cover that briefly?
0: Sure. So I was making an observation about a client's book uh, that we have launching this week, which is the first week of November 2023, and our client's Kindle book was not available for pre order. What I have observed is this is day three that the Kindle book is up, and the categories are still not showing. And so, basically, what it, it is happening is it's taking longer. You have to have more sales before those categories start to show. So, that seems similar to what you were experiencing as well.
1: Yeah, and so for those people who don't know exactly what we're talking about, if you go to your paperback page or your Kindle page and you scroll down, there's a detail section about your book. And in that detail section, if Amazon has registered sales for your book, they will assign a bestseller rank or or a BSR compared to all six plus million books on Amazon. The number is bigger than that. I just don't know what it is. Um, and they will list your best three performing categories, no matter how many categories you might be in, they'll list your three best performing ones typically. And what the way this works is when you first get your book online and they first start ranking, they'll update that roughly every 24 hours. If your book is actively selling, like there are sales on a regular basis, then they in theory will update that roughly every hour. However, what we're seeing is it takes so long to get that rank to first show. And this is where advanced sales are really critical. Whether you use a pre-launch strategy like we were talking about or not, you need sales early, well in advance of of your launch day. I say well in advance, I would say at least a week before your launch day. You need to get those on there. Amazon's official line is it takes 72 hours for rankings to appear. That's bunk. Uh, I I just was talking with KDP last week about it. And I said, Hey, um, it's been five days. And they said, Oh, 72 hours. I go, No, it's been five days. Um, And then their their answer to one of our mastermind members was, Well, we can do what we can do. We can do whatever we want to do, basically, because we're Amazon. It's like, That's true. you, You can't, hard to argue with that. But get those early copies sold out there at least a week ahead of your launch so that those rankings will appear and you're not freaking out saying where are my rankings there are no rankings
0: so um just really quickly, we agreed before we started the episode that it was okay for us to disagree about this approach of lowering the Kindle price for launch. So I just want to go on the record with my perspective on this topic before we wrap up today's it is, episode. It is your show,
1: Becky. I think you're allowed.
0: It is. So I typically do not advise clients to use this lower Kindle price um, at launch approach. One reason is because you know, I have seen many, many authors be successful leaving their books at full price and still getting that bestseller rank. And what I am trying to avoid is uh, a perception that the value is not there. So what I typically see at launch is an author is mobilizing their own network to buy the book. My assumption is the network will buy the book at full price, the same as they would buy the book at the lower price. And so if I do my job right in mobilizing an author and their network, we should be able to get that bestseller category regardless of using that lower price Kindle approach or not. Now that said, not every book I've launched has gotten that bestseller category at launch. The other reason I don't like to lower the Kindle price at launch, um, one of the reasons is because quite often we wanna have a long-term view to how we market the book. So if we go out of the gate at full price, six months down the road, nine months down the road, we could do another promotion with a lower price Kindle. And in that world, drive additional momentum and interest in the title. Um, I would say another reason, Everett, probably that I have shied away from that price reduction um, is that across the time I've been launching books, potentially two-thirds of them have been traditionally published. Traditional Mm -hmm. publishers will not discount a Kindle book at launch. And so as a result, we have found other ways to drive momentum to get that bestseller status. So while I completely understand the benefits of the approach that Everett is uh, proposing. And it may be right for some authors. Um, I thought it would be helpful to just share some some other ideas uh, around how to go about getting an Amazon bestseller.
1: That and, and that's a terrific perspective, because especially what you said about traditional. So for instance, I mentioned we haven't failed since 2014. Back in 2014, we failed once because I didn't do my category selection properly. We failed the second time because it was a traditionally published book. Uh, we were helping to launch a book that Zondervan was publishing. And Zondervan would not follow our lead for category selection. They would low, they lowered the Kindle price, uh, like they gave us half of what we wanted. Um, and they ran out of books halfway through launch day. They weren't using print on demand, obviously, because you can't run out of books on print on demand. They had no idea what was coming at them, and so they didn't commit enough resources to print copies in Amazon. Um, and so all of those things. So for us, you know, we're doing a Kindle centric launch, so we want to maximize Kindle sales. So part of that is that price juxtaposition of having the lower price Kindle versus the full price paperback, and. If that gets us 10 or 20% more Kindle sales, but less royalties, we're we're doing that because our goal is the number one. It isn't necessarily, what will that book do six months from now? And that's where I think that's important. Ours is a short-term approach, and yours is a longer-term approach, and they each have a place um, in the market depending upon your goals. So I'm really glad you brought that up.
0: Sure. Well, so at the end of every episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, we want to give you some action steps that you could take. So while today's conversation was primarily focused around insights for publishing and distribution, there might be some actions you would want to take as a result of listening to today's episode. And I know that one that I want to take is to learn more about uh, the channel Draft to Digital because prior to this conversation with Everett, I was not aware of this extra distribution channel for ebooks. So maybe you're like me, you want to check out Draft Digital to find out more about expanded distribution for your ebooks. I would also say, um, another action step that you could take uh, would be to get very clear about your own goals as you want to launch your book. So potentially, if this idea of becoming an Amazon bestseller in category is critically important to you, I would encourage you to research this approach that Everett is uh, advocating for, which is a Kindle-centric launch, um, and potentially take a look at how you might partner with your publisher or your marketing partner to set yourself up for success with an Amazon bestseller through a Kindle-centric launch. Uh, Before we go, I want to give you a chance, Everett, to let uh, our listeners know how they can find out more about you. So where are the best places for people to find you online?
1: Yeah, super easy. Um, IgnitePress.us is our website, IgnitePress.us. And you'll see there uh, all sorts of things, uh, but one of them also is a link where you can simply schedule a consultation. So if there's a, if you'd like to sit down and talk about your book and your plans, your your goals for it, happy to do that. And we can also explain our publishing model and how how we do what we do. Because we set up all of our accounts and clients, or I set up all of our books in accounts our clients own, so they have complete ownership of their IP. All royalties flow to them. They get their books at cost, et cetera. So just uh, reach out to us at ignitepress.us, and happy to have that conversation.
0: Any social media on which people can find you, Everett?
1: I mean, yeah, we're uh, just look for ignite press everywhere. Uh, we're the only ignite press out there, uh, at least according to the U.S. Uh, trademark and patent office. Um, and happy to uh, happy to help. Um, and then also, I've got a book uh, that you can uh, look up. It's the power of the published. And it's all about the way people leverage their books and also uh, ways to rapidly create one. So the power of the published.
0: Amazing. I did not know you had a book.
1: Uh, At least one. Uh, At least
0: one. (laughs) All right. Well, Everett, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. We look forward to continuing to collaborate with you into the future. For those who are listening, if I can be of help to you in any way, I am Becky at weavinginfluence.com. Please send me a note. Have a great day.
1: Thank you so much. Hey,
0: everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.